the kitchen door had a new gouge on it where Martin had flung it shut the morning I left for the Winston. Just last week, I thought, not even eight days ago, old wood peaked through years of wet varnish, clean looking in the afternoon light. That white already felt a lifetime old. Everything did except the dull egg in my chest where Tom's love used to live. I had slept badly for days. I never saw him in my dreams. Just his boots creased with warp and age walking slowly away from me through the brown sand into the storm. In the mornings, there were cores molting and mocking out with N.C. Heron, who was still perpetually looking over his shoulder to where John Balsam knife slept. In the afternoon, we burned twisting. Marty found them in the vegetable garden, one every day or two, scattered like corns, steadily screaming in drips and bursts. They came up the path between our house and the, the river shore. They died and died, and we burned them in the yard and marked their decks on a makeshift map. Marty drew off the farmstead. There were twisting on roadstead farm and none of them went near the grave of John Balsam's knife. Heron studied the map after supper by the light of his one lantern. This makes no damn sense, he muttered. And it didn't, it made no sense. It was already happy to leave the window shut to check our boots before we step into the house. I wiped mine twice before I opened the kitchen door and managed. But cheers here, Marty, with hearty, fake good cheer. Hang and Chua need you to sort the gods. Marty nodded, setting the lid on something rich with fresh game, meat, and onions. Onions. I looked down at the floor tiles and swallowed hard. The wardens had worn off her, slow and trickling, but Marty had not been the same since we had found that stone music. Since the night, I found her in the high barn, speaking of ghosts. She moved like a foggy morning these days. She spoke like a woman underwater. I don't know which ghost you want to keep, I trailed off. The false smile was starting to hurt. What should I tell them? Marty wiped her hands on the disc rack. I'm coming, she said truly, and tried a stretch out smile. I flinched. You could see the scattered pieces of her trailing along the floor. What can I do? I asked around the glass in my throat. She focused for a moment and dig a mug in the big soap bowl. Take this out to Tyler Blakely, she said. I told Eglantin I would have I would give him lunch. Right, I said finally, my stomach flipped with nerves. Tyler, he had been grazing the black leaf in our field for a week, and no matter how far, how small 50 acres could sometimes be, we had managed to tediously avoid each other. The talk of breaking that distance made my stomach cease. I had everything I thought dimly, and held the soap mouth to my shirt. Marty fumbled her boots on, she looked up at me, waiting, and her eyes were a hard dead mask. I fled. Sadie, her black coat smudged with dirt, 
was waiting outside at the porch rail, her tail thumb cautiously against the old boards as I shut the door. Hi, doggy, I whispered. She was too well trained to jump, but she butted to my knee worriedly. She had taken a bit too well to her new job of job as road state farm's guard. I ran a calming hand down her back. Come on, we are going to find your brother. She shook with delight and thumped ahead of me, her nose fixed to the ground. We almost reached the highway before I saw him, Tyler Blakely, stretching his bare leg in a beaten down barley field, surrounded by his peaceful grazing sheep. I caught my breath and Sadie flew right past me, barking merrily away. He stuttered and straightened awkwardly, an ugly red stain on his cheeks. Sadie plunged toward him, the sheep face against the pressure of her sleek black body. Lunch, I said hesitantly, and nudged through in her way. Thanks, he muttered. It took me a moment to translate the word. Before the war, before last week, I would have had some witty comment about boys who mumble or at least an elbow strike to the ribs. But I had lost form. I was losing Marty, and now Tyler's eyes were fixed away from me, his hands and arms length away. Suddenly, nothing was the right thing to say. You hear all afternoon, I asked, stupid small talk. Until supper, his answer, and buried his face in Marty's mouth. Pain sparked between my lips. There might be, have been a miss on that, for all the friendliness in it helped. He doesn't want you, the snarl in my head pronounced, go home. I bit my lip hard, Tyler managed. He lifted an eyebrow at the grass I forced out, despite our pride. His face went out full with anger, no, with shame. And then he looked up at me for the first time in an age and smiled tightly. This one's all pride. That smile hit like a slap. Tight, talk to me. I have embraced myself enough, he muttered. Just leave me alone. I soft my hands into my pockets. Tomac sick. It's over. The boy who had walked with me, with me when we trailed behind me was just another bridge picking who had remembered the time he saw a thought down the back of my shirt when I was seven. I blurted. He stared at me, suspicious, uncomprehending. I got Nat to help get you back. She stole every single pair of your skivvies out of the laundry and we hung them on the big hawthorn at the head of the drive. He remembered. I could see it in the way his flat heart mode softened. Remember that I was me, the lean little girl in ribbon lace braids who knew where his laundry basket was. You just sauntered out here. Cool as you please, I said, and shook my head with broken wonderment. Look up at the tree and when, guess, I'm swimming in my birthday suit. Tell us what quit. Quirk. Please tell me I didn't reach for my pants. I tucked my chin to hide the watery smile. You didn't have to. We were so gross out. We, won. we went back up the tree and got them down ourselves and threw them in the mud for me to pick up. Boy underpants are gross, I said thoughtfully. Uh-huh, you two were awful little kids sometimes, he said, but he was talking, he wasn't turned away from me. I know, I said, a little ashamed myself now, but if you were not 
being bereft of both breath, and my voice went thin and frantic. There is nothing on earth embarrassing enough to never speak like friends again. He looked up at me, and the same was gone, leaving behind it eyes like bleak white snow. You have no idea how he pronounced softly. At least tell me why. How can you not know why? He snapped. You said it was just talk. You don't want me. So fine, I will stay out of your way. Fair enough, but now you are picking at this and I don't know what you want from me. I stared. A clear, sticky anger rose inside my ears. Tyler, I know everyone says you should be able to stay friends. But I cannot pretend everything's normal, okay? You still don't want me and that's. I cannot just go back to normal. I need some room. I need time where we are not poking at it. He slumped against his stuff, planted in the dead dirt. I didn't know whether to love or to let loose like Marty on a tear. Tyler, I said low and clear. I didn't say any of that. His head whipped up. You did in the Myers Power War. You said it was nothing but talk. If it's all talk to you, just me being puffed up and vain and stupid, well, fine, but don't lie about it. God, stop, I burst out. He leaned back, what I just stopped talking and listened. Quiet sank into the turf between us, the mothers of sheep, a scandalized bird that lives underfoot. Look, I was surprised, okay? I'm surprised. I started. Tyler looked down bitterly at his blonde fingernails, and here I thought I was the most obvious fool in the world. Listening, right? I snapped, and he pulled a face. You put a thought down my shirt when I was seven years old. I have known you forever. Nobody expects someone who saw them burping and waddling around India first to look at them like something romantic. Now who has embraced? He said slightly. What? So what? If you said stupid things when you were two, I was four, he said, and his thin face film. And who says that means someone cannot like you? That's not how it works, I stop. I, I answer weakly. The sheep edge away from us, smiling the fight. Who says? Tyler pressed softly how it works. The static in my ears dropped clean out. Everybody, I said. The adults in Winnesburg in every approving smile or a sick of a disappointment had nudged sweaters stiffly for more coming down the path in their be- in their best boots and most terrified faces. Jeno preclad when she gave up the gossip about who had dared so a little too much of themselves to whom and was done away and None of them were here, nobody was here except Tyler and me, and the sheep, and the dogs, and the trees. You like me, I said distinctly, even though I put your skivvies up the Hawthorn tree. I saw his Adam's apple bob. I like you, not even though. Oh, I said stupidly, the moon barely rustled around us, under the sound of nervous sheep, Joey finally intervened on their behalf. She leaned against my legs and pushed the, to drive Tyler and me apart. Your dog wants us to stop fighting. I managed. Tyler looked down at Joy. She shot him a dirty look and let out a harder bark. So she does, he murmured. I guess I'll let her push me into the mailing flock. 
the gentle heat of their bodies licked my poor, frozen knees. I had not even noticed the cold. Tyler closed the distance between us with a sip harder's her full breeze, and the air changed into something bright, cold, and bright. My friend wasn't leaving me. He cared about me. He was still here. I didn't want you to embrace, I said finally. You looked so miserable, and I was so nervous about kids, and sometimes I still say stupid things. You didn't want me to be, Tyler started. His mouth worked and landed gracefully on off shape. I laughed. I laughed. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. We were just too ridiculous. He stared at me a moment and then let out a rueful chuckle. My laugh has a terrible sense of humor, you know. I was proud of that speech. His cheeks were still good crimson. I practiced it all week long to my bedroom ceiling. Did it have any good suggestions? It said to definitely go with the wounded dignity. Very manly, super tragic. I'm never asking it for anything again. The ceiling or Mrs. Pitts, I said dryly. God, Tyler said feelingly. The Pitts, they ruin everything. I love unexpectedly, bright as a bell. Tyler showed me a sudden warm look and pressed on. You want to go swimming, they will drain the, drif- the river. You make a bunch of ice cream, they turn up the sun. He glanced at me sidelong with that mischievous face. I grinned back and the sunshine in him fell down. So I asked, what do we do? I had heard a lot about that ill-fated courtship with VJ Caudry, and nobody had forgotten the spring where Will Sumner just wouldn't leave either of us alone, but I didn't know what courting looked like when it worked. When both people already knew and liked each other when they were friends. That depends on, well, how you feel about it, he said. His broken eyes looked down at me, flick away, crept back, filled with nerves and hope. I don't know, I said, breathless. No, I, no, really, I don't. It's been just me here all summer. We barely sleep and Mati won't talk. She's gone somewhere in the back of her head where I cannot get her, and I will and all I have been telling myself is that I just have to make it until Tom gets home, but the emptiness boiled up. It ate the life, it ate the world. Ty, I said finally, took a breath and laid it recklessly there. I don't know how I feel about anything. I'm not okay right now. He didn't laugh in my face. He didn't pull back, pull away. He knotted his hands around his walking stick landed like a regimental plaque and said, I don't know what to say. We stared unhappily, watching the dust of two fire private wars blow through each other's eyes. This is not fair, I muttered, and he lifted a sharp eyebrow. No, not you. I wish it was next summer. All I want is some time to figure everything out. Teller falls like a man on a precise rise. We could, you know, he said slowly, we could what? Take all the time we need. I glared at him. Don't you say you will wait for me or something awful like that? I'm not waiting, he said, and drew up firmly. Just that we could, both of us. We could, both of us, take it slow, take our time. Who says how it works? Crying and echo to my head. I look up at him till had considering eyes and. Sure, it. 
no formal walking out together, no talking to our families, no having him ask all the question would I dance, would I do more, would I permit him to court me and sneak up to the love together and hanging everything forever on my instant yes or no, just me and Taylor and time to figure out what we had both become. Is that weird? I asked. Can we do that? It's probably weird. Taylor cracked a nervous smile, but maybe that's what courting is. Two people spending time and finding out how they feel about it. I know that the squirming nerves in my stomach still wouldn't settle down. You're not going to stop being my friend if the answer is no. Taylor shook his head fierce. Never, not on my life. You were ready to throw the whole thing away 10 minutes ago. That was stupid of me. He replied, eyes glinting. He is dead now. I put a hatchet in his face. I watched him steadily until his broken eyes flick to the ground. I'm sorry, he said. I was scared and just assumed everything and it was really stupid. I swear I won't do that again. I swallowed. Reached out for his hands and then tentatively took it. I swear I won't let it stew for a whole week again, I whispered. And he nodded. Thanks, his fingers were raw, callous, and thin under his blows. I squeezed them experimentally. They had a whole new meaning now. Oh, yeah, I hesitated. Can I kiss you? I stopped. Was this taking our time? You can say no, I reminded myself. It doesn't have to mean never. I thought for a fleeting second what Tyler's cold chap lips might taste like. He smelled warm, like soap, like clean sweat, lanolin. I had never kissed someone before. You can say yes, and it won't mean always. Okay, I said quietly and stood a lazy owl out of the way. Tyler stepped close and looked down at me, serious as a church pole. I breathed in slowly, shallowly, terrified by his nearness. Tyler blackly, tall and waiting as a guitar string. His nose brushed mine, but gently passed, and then he placed both hands lightly on my cheeks and leaned down to my mouth. Then Alfred had called her, her first kiss somewhere exploding into midnight. I didn't see it. Tyler's mouth was on mine, and it was too wide to hesitate for summer. The world was not ending, the earth had not gone standstill bright or warm or golden. Tyler's lips moved, weird and living against mine, smile, small, infinitesimal spaces meeting and parting. His fingers lift lightly along my cheek, warm in their neat woolen gloss. I fought the sudden urge to lean against them. Caught in a cruel urge to pull away and run, my mood flooded with the taste of him, so sweet and faintly metallic with fear. The world shrank to fingertip details, and then he broke and stepped away from me. I leaned back, the air was doubly cold on my mood where he slipped. That soft taste lingered on, I resist the impulse to wipe it away, or maybe to hold it warm and private in my palm. The sun streaked across his face, the sheer peace on his face, the rustle and woof of the flock layer of silence into something softer. I tipped my head back and let the afternoon sun glow through my close eyes. All the frantic voices had gone out of my head. I couldn't remember the last time everything had been so calm. 
When I opened them, Tyler had dropped his hands to his top and was watching me, red and anxious. His eyes bright in the hazel's red with still left to them. I opened my mouth, shut it again. I didn't know what he said after a boy, a man, and a soldier kiss you. I didn't know what you did. I wasn't sure I felt how you were supposed to feel. Was that okay? I managed and nearly smacked my own head sideways. I barked a quick laugh. He grinned at me wild and merry, like I had known anything about it. I snorted, and my own smile formed from nothing to meet his. Fine then, I said softly. Well, fine, he replied. We could go on like this for hours. We had gone on like this for hours back in the days when we were small and annoying, and Tyler Blakely was not somebody I had kissed. Fine, Tyler started and stopped. I turned and saw a figure striding long across the highway, his hat low on his head, against the chill, bright, wintry sky. Tyler went pale around his chappy. The awful, hapless look he had had when we found the stones thrown across the river path. Let's just tell him, I said. Even the creeping war wrongness pain. Our god pen was the other way. Hans chart was still parked in the drive. I peered closer and the figure stopped and turned it our direction. It's not, Tyler said, and picked up his knotted stuff. He limped across the field to the roadside, Joy and Sadie and the confusive in his wake. The figure on the road called our motion and waved us over. There was a second man behind him, and a third. They moved to meet us on seven sunburned, broad, pearly buttons at the race. At their race. Veterans, I said softly. No, Tyler said, soldiers. What do you mean, soldiers? I asked with a chill, Tyler glared down the road, the ones who stay after John Creeks to burn every last twist things, and hang John's irregulars, and find John Balsam, find John Balsam most of all. My eyes widened, the knife, we had to warn Heron. Tyler wheeled on the path, but it was too late, the three men armed and button had caught up to us. Good afternoon, miss. Then the leader said in a rich voice, we are looking for a straight farm.